88.1. Hello, this is Pierce Porterfield, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM. The sound of confusion. And I'm Dan. Enjoy your listen. Enjoy your listen. It's great. We got a captain. Hey, this is Julian from Whitney. You're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. That's it. <laughs> it's a pretty... I never heard this as an intro song before, but I had no clue that you had the mics on like 25 seconds before yeah, I was supposed I, to start I, talking. I may have jumped the gun on the, <laughs> yeah. on the mics coming on. There we go. Yeah. Start your Sunday, KCOU 88.1 FM. It's the 10th of April, our first show back in the studio in a couple weeks. Harrison Vatnick, Jonathan Litzkin joining me as usual. We've already brought on Tyler Kenny a couple times last year, first time in 2022 to talk some NFL draft stuff. Tyler, welcome back on. Thanks for having me, guys. Liddy, welcome it? back. Thank you. I appreciate you welcoming back your own co-host. <laughs> oh, all good fun. Master Sunday. Oh, a traditional like any other. Chef what has a three-shot lead to the... Yeah, last time I checked. Yep. Quiet sports weekend. NCAA tournament's over. Duke is out. Everyone is out except yes, for Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> just just to emphasize that Duke's still out. Uh, NBA playoffs a week from now. NHL playoffs in a month away. But it's time to grind in on the NFL draft. That is under three weeks away. Actually, do first. I should want to mention the uh, the condolences to the Haskins family. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Haskins yesterday uh, lost his life, getting hit by a, a car in, down in South Florida. Uh, former Ohio State standout, first-round pick in Washington. Uh, incredible. I, I remember his first game in college. The Michigan, uh, the Michigan, Michigan game, game and, coming off the yeah. bench. I think it was when Barrett got hurt. Yeah, in that did. game, um, Ohio State was still fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think they made the playoff that year. Haskins came off the bench was awesome. Then put together one of the best Big Ten uh, regular seasons ever in uh, 2018. Took Ohio State to the Rose Bowl that year. Won it against Washington. Washington yes, I think the greatest throw I've ever seen from a college quarterback was Haskins' first game at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I don't remember who it was too, but that dot into double coverage right in between the two defenders. I think it was Paris Campbell. But not a thousand percent sure. I'm not a hundred percent. It was either Campbell or KJ Hill. I forget which one. I just remember the touchdown he threw in the Big Ten championship against Northwestern when he broke out yeah. a couple sacks. Yeah. That that video was floating around Twitter yesterday, which was just an awesome play. Uh, what what else do you guys remember from Haskins and his days at Ohio State? I, I like I remember him for like the greatest Big Ten season ever by a quarterback. That like there's not like a specific moment really that I remember him from, but like Drew Brees' records that. He said at Purdue, Haskins broke almost every single one of those. So uh, it may not have been the best season for Ohio State, but in terms of just pure quarterback play, like Haskins was was that guy at, at Ohio State. Keep in mind, before Haskins got there, you had two guys who made the NFL, but made the NFL as receivers. And it was a historical program that was always running defense, running defense, running defense, running defense. 
Haskins changed that mm-hmm. with that 50 touchdown. Was that, I think, 50, right? Was that yeah, it was like 52. Yeah. yeah. Um, he changed that. Nothing that happens after that. You don't have a Justin Fields at Ohio State without Dwayne Haskins. That's not the destination for a quarterback that it became once Haskins broke onto the scene in that um, that incredible season. So, yeah. Genuinely, Dwayne Haskins might be the most important player in the history of the Ohio State Buckeye program. Because then they transitioned to Justin yeah. Fields and now C.J. Stroud. And <laughs> you could see this program is in such a better spot than it was even six years ago before he got there when they had NFL caliber talent, Terrell Pryor, those kind of guys, at quarterback. They didn't have quarterbacks there, though. He also beat out Joe Burrow yep. at Ohio yeah, State, yep. which... We know Joe Burrow. He's the great, greatest college season ever by a quarterback. And, Unquestionably. And Haskins beat him out and then played pretty well. I don't think Ohio State regrets that decision despite what Burrow did at LSU. His numbers are he completed 70% of his passes, 4,831 yards, 50 touchdowns, just eight picks. They lost one game that entire season. It was on the road at Purdue on that Saturday night where um, uh, Rondell Moore had the, the crazy game. Uh, those receivers for the Ohio State team was crazy. Paris Campbell, KJ Hill, Johnny Dixon, scary Terry McLaurin was wide receiver four for that team. I think Olave even had his breakout game as a freshman that year. Olave for them. had twelve catches that year. It feels that feels like so long ago. Yeah, it was only four years. Yeah, it was only four years. Because I say Olave is still in college, but wow. We'll, we'll get to him yeah. eventually. <laughs> yeah. But just remembering Dwayne Haskins, and I think the long time impact he's going to have uh, in college football is will will not go uh, under the radar. Let's transition to this year's NFL draft, though. Um, so much to talk about. It's not like last year where it was Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson second, and then Trey Lance or Mac Jones at the third pick, and where a guy like Justin Fields is going to go, who eventually went to your Chicago Bears. And all those guys, it was, that was basically like, all right, where are these top skill guys going to go? Now it's much more of a wild card. We don't know how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. We don't know all where all these six or seven elite receivers are going to go. Let's start with the quarterbacks, the obvious guys, Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis, Matt Corral, uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, I'll start with you, Kading. Uh, just do does one of those four separate themselves from the rest? Easily, and Malik is Willis it? is far clear above everyone else. I don't. I don't think it's particularly close. A lot of the same things that everyone knocks Malik Willis for are a lot, and these are not the same player. I'm not trying to say these guys are the exact same player because they play a somewhat different style of game. A lot of the things that people are saying about Malik Willis to try to knock him down is the same stuff we said about Lamar Jackson five years ago. And we were all proven wrong about Lamar Jackson because there were plenty of genuine negatives that you looked at through his tape. Oh, this will matter in the NFL. Seemingly, it doesn't matter in the NFL because Lamar still has his deficiencies and is still an MVP quarterback. That's a lot with Malik Willis. You're not going to see Malik Willis being Tom Brady with his arm. That doesn't matter. Because he's enough of a playmaker at the overall position. So, yeah, I think Malik Willis is far and clear better than anyone else in the quarterback room. Not not even close, as in my eyes. Let's where are you on this. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with him. And when this class, you have so many like mid-quarterbacks, as, as have been described before. But I think Willis has the clear best upside. The, the way it was described is... I think the senior bowl, he was described as making the five best throws of the day and the five worst throws of the day. As a runner, he's fantastic. He's got the best arm talent in the draft. I don't see how this guy isn't the number one quarterback prospect, and I expect him to be drafted as such. I expect him to be drafted as the first quarterback. He is not my QB1. My QB1 is Matt Corral. I think Corral has the highest ceiling of the group. I think he had the most success... 
in college. I wasn't overly impressed by Malik Willis this year. He's getting a lot of the hype, the what's the word for it? Like the, the t-shirt and shorts hype when you're throwing at pro days at combines. Watching some of the Liberty games, we watched the game against, what was it, Ole Miss? Yeah. He was not very he good was dreadful. Game. There was, he was a, dreadful. There was a lot of games like that where I was watching, and I'm like, I think it was the Virginia Tech one was another one. That may have been the year before. But there were just a handful of games where I, I watched, and I'm like, I'm not quite sure what I'm missing with him. Corral, I saw it time after time. It was a lot of consistent throws. He has, I think, the best arm strength. I think he's better arm strength than Malik Willis. I think he's definitely a better runner from what I've seen than Malik Willis. Willis might be a little more of a smart runner. Uh, Corral, I watched take too many hits when he could have slid. But I, I give Corral the, the nod over Malik Willis. I think he, the ceiling's a little bit higher. And I think what Malik Willis is kind of trying to get to, I think Corral might be a, a few steps closer, if that makes sense. I don't think I could disagree with you more when you say Matt Corral's a better runner than Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis is a better runner than I think we've seen since Michael Vick. Really? I think he's that good, yeah. He is... It, Malik Willis is the type of guy... He is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL. If he wanted to play other positions in the NFL, he's fast enough to do so. He's agile enough to do so. He's smart enough to do so. He just doesn't need to because he's able to do all those things at Yeah, well, in the system at uh, Liberty under Hugh Freeze, they didn't have too much from running the ball. It was not a heavy amount of... Because with what Corral did at Ole Miss, was, it was a lot of RPOs. It was a lot of design runs. I don't think Willis had as much of that at Liberty, which and is not not his fault, obviously. Yeah, I think he's going to thrive when you put him in an offense that does more of that. I don't think Hugh Freeze. I mean, okay, Hugh Freeze was a pretty good offensive coach. He's done a really good job at Liberty. I'll give him that much. I don't think he meshed well with Malik Willis. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be desired for Malik Willis in college. A lot of that's due to the fact that he went to Liberty. He was playing a lot of smaller schools, not as big games, not as bright lights. But I think... I think once you get him into an NFL offense, they're going to have coordinators that actually scheme around him instead of college rigid coordinators, rigid coaches. It's not how it is in the NFL. And you're going to see him unlocked a little bit more. What we've seen of Malik Willis as a runner, that's Michael. That's a Michael Vick level runner. Yeah, we just a, didn't see a lot of it in college. Not Malik's fault at all. It's a little more loose in the pros. Yeah. Uh, Lydia, I know there's sh- like questions about his accuracy and decision-making with Malik Willis. Does that concern you? Yeah, a little bit, because obviously he's not a perfect quarterback, but I have the same concerns actually about Corral. He doesn't anticipate that well, and rarely does he put like guys in position to get like big yards after the catch. He's not that quarterback. His size, He's a lot smaller than Malik Willis, which isn't a concern for me, but I bet it will be a, somewhat of a concern for NFL GMs. With Corral, I could see like a team like Tampa taking a flyer on him at the end of round one, especially a team that needs a succession plan. Uh, with an older quarterback, but I, I think Willis is heads and shoulders above Corral at this moment. Uh, Katie, you mentioned something about the right NFL scheme kind of fitting Malik when it comes to that Hugh Freeze wasn't a coach that meshed well with him. What coach or team do you think could give him the ability to hit his ceiling, as you mentioned? This is See, the problem is, is I don't know what teams jump off the page in terms of drafting a quarterback at all because I think yeah. it, it could be 10 different teams that make sense. It could also be like two. Yeah. I honestly think that Malik Willis is going number two overall to, Detro- to Detroit. That's what I think I've settled on at this point. Dan Campbell is the type of coach that is going – he's not going to be rigid in his ways at all. I mean, look at what he's done as a head coach previously back in Miami, uh, messing around with offensive schemes when he took over as an interim basis. 
Sean Payton's been the master of the past decade, decade and a half of messing with an offense to get the most out of his quarterback. He changed a lot when it went from Drew Brees to Taysom Hill, um, Drew Brees to Jameis Winston. That's the scheme that Dan Campbell's coming from. Those are the guys that Dan Campbell's worked with, learned under. He's going to be able to adapt an offense to fit Malik Willis. Yes, Malik Willis and Jared Goff could not be more separate from as football players, but I like and I really like Dan Campbell as a coach. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's the type of guy that you're going to see be willing and able to adjust an offense around a guy like Malik Willis, even when it's nothing like you'd have right now. I think a draft like this year's, where the teams that need to draft a quarterback are maybe these coaches and GMs that kind of need to extend their life there. Because if you roll another year with a Jared Goff and the Lions finish last in the NFC North, like Dan Campbell's job isn't as secure as it should be in that case. But if you have a rookie quarterback and say, hey, I just drafted Malik Willis. He did X, Y, and Z this year. We won this amount of games. Like, I can get another year here. If Instead, he runs it with Jared Goff and they have that same season. I think sense? you have the same situation with Carolina, mm-hmm. too, who's picking point. at six. They need to take a quarterback. Yeah, they, they've missed on a quarterback twice already. So I don't know how you let rules stick around to draft to draft a third quarterback. And if he honestly goes in with Sam Darnold next year, it's even worse. But, yeah, Carolina seems like the same position as Detroit, yep. even a little more desperate, I'd say. The other team I don't think passes on him if he gets down there, or I don't think passes on Kenny Pickett for that matter if he gets down there is Atlanta. I don't see either. I don't see Atlanta passing on a quarterback if one of those two is available. I've heard they like Wilson, Garrett Wilson. I don't think they're going to take a receiver in this first round. I, I have I a hard time so thinking many they more do that. I think it yeah. might be smoke, but especially in a deep receiver class, like it doesn't. I know yeah. they have a desperate need a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And desperate is yeah. might be an understatement. I just don't think picking one at eight is the smart decision for them. Yeah, I think it's kind of smoke, but that's what I've heard from the, the one Falcons person I know yeah. uh, who covers the team. The, the other guy I could see Atlanta taking is Kyle Hamilton. Sounds like he's going to fall to them. So he's, he'll be the best player left at that point if he gets to eight. Let's get back to the quarterbacks. You mentioned Pickett to Atlanta. Where, what do you see in Pickett? I see one of those guys that's going to be decent for a long time, but never really that great. I mean, Kenny Pickett's an NFL caliber quarterback. I don't really have a doubt about that in my mind. I don't think his ceiling's really super high at all. I think maybe you're looking at a guy like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has never been great, but he's been good for what, five years now? That yeah, well, he's, he's been holding on. Or de- Yeah, okay. He's been decent for what, five years now? I mean, that's the type of guy that's hard to do in the NFL. To be a decent quarterback for that long, plenty of guys haven't done that. Maybe Ryan Tannehill is another example, bar the maybe one or two years towards the end of Miami that he's um, regressed a little bit. Been decent as a quarterback for a long, long time. That That's what I think you see in Kenny Pickett in terms of his career value. I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to be maybe make a Pro Bowl once in his career. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber guy. But I think he's a solid quarterback. He's going to go in there. Make a team respectable, have a solid NFL career, but I don't think you're looking at anything special with Kenny Pickett. Where are you on him, John? I think I, I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I, I've been on him for a while now. He's really accurate. I think he does a really good job getting the ball in space and having 
the guy that won the best wide receiver in college football award doesn't doesn't hurt yep. that. Jordan it certainly helps. Wide receiver one possibly next year's draft. Yeah, one of the top guys. I, yeah, I'd say he's two, but uh, yeah, I think that, that, we'll get to that later. I think he's really inconsistent at times. It, there is definitely cause for concerns. There, the ball sails on him a lot, but like Kading said, I think he's a re- really solid prospect, and I think he could start in this league. He's also really old for a prospect, and I think that's one he's, thing. Not many teams. I don't know how many teams are going to take that into account. I guarantee you there's at least one or two that do not have him on their board because he's already 24 years old. He's going to turn 20. Yes, he just turned 24. That is. But the, I'm looking at the ages right now. And a lot. This isn't like last year where Trey Lance was like 20 years old when he got drafted in the fields. I think it was 21. And Trevor Lawrence was 21. Like Malik Willis will make his NFL debut at 23. Desmond Ritter will make his NFL debut at 23. Matt Crow will make his NFL debut at 23. Sam Howie, if, if he ever makes an NFL debut, he'll probably be older than 22 where he's 21 right now but it's this is i don't know if the one year difference is as much as you'd think i i, I like pickett i have him at three behind willis two corral one I, I agree with you i think he's good enough to start in the league i think he has good technique he's a smart quarterback more athletic he's more athletic than people give him credit for mentioned the he had a lot of really nice runs this year, and the one against Wake Forest where he faked the slide was obviously... Yeah, he got a rule change. Yeah, it's the Kenny Pickett rule. Didn't Pickett have more rushing? Or is it Pickett or um, Matt Corral? It was one of the two that had the most rushing yards in college football this year from a quarterback. I think it was Corral, because Corral I know had like a 150-yard game yeah. in one of them. But not totally sure on that. But he's he's just like interesting pick. I can see him getting like a Tony Romo kind of career. Like, he'll never be, obviously, a top-five quarterback in the league, but, like, he's always going to do enough to, like, hang around. And it, Tony Romo at his peak, I think, is better than Kenny Pickett's going to be at his peak, though. Yeah. Tony Romo was legitimately elite for at least a couple at least, at least a couple years in his yeah, career. Yeah, back to, like, 2011, the 2014 season he had. Uh, a few of the ones, what, 2008, maybe it was, 07. Here's one for you with Pickett, Jay Cutler. Your boy? I, th- I think that's a pretty good a career path estimate. Yeah, there's a little... There's, it's not a hor- horrific comp as a player. There's definitely flaws there. But in terms of a career path, Cutler was elite maybe once in his entire career, but he had a 10-year career. Yeah, I I could see something like that. I think he'll be a, a manageable starter in the pros. We'll see what the ceiling he gets to. The last quarterback we'll get to because I refuse to get to Desmond Ritter. <laughs> All right, sorry, I refuse to get to Sam Howell. Is Desmond Ritter. Uh, some people have him as QB1. Some people have him as QB6. He's... I think he's the biggest wild card out of these guys. I think we all think Malik Willis can be an all-pro. I think we all think Matt Corral can be a solid starter. I think we all think Kenny Pickett can be a a solid NFL quarterback. I think Desmond Ritter can go anywhere between top 10 guy to flame out of the league in two or three years. Where do you guys stand on him? You could start with Uh, him. So when last year started, I started looking at quarterbacks. I came across Ritter thinking last year might declare and thought – Oh, wow, no one's talking about this dude. This guy is going to be a really good value guy who, who, who you can probably get in the fifth or sixth round. He's gone up draft boards enough this year to where I'm scared by him. I think there is a lot of upside there with Desmond Ritter. I don't really think he's ever going to hit it, though. I think he's, in a sense, almost too raw right now for it to really work in the NFL for him as anything more than a spot starter kind of thing. I actually, I came I when I started looking at his tape last year, the one name I came up with was Mitch Trubisky that I think are very similar, very similar style players. 
with him and Desmond Ritter. That's not even necessarily a bad thing. Mitch Trubisky, if he wasn't taken two overall, would have been probably seen as a solid pick. Yeah. Instead of Ritter's disaster. Ritter's gotten high enough high enough off up people's draft boards. I can't talk. Um to where I'm scared by that now though. I know Lydia really high on Ritter in Cincinnati this year. Are you as high on him going into the draft? I'm not. I think if you watch his like raw traits, he's a really good runner in pretty much every aspect of, of running. His dual threat ability is interesting. He has a pretty good arm talent too, but you you know me. I watched a ton of Cincinnati games this year. I yep. love them. He never really put it all together, and that that's what worries me. If he if he can't put it together now, when is he going to put it together? I just yeah, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people, but I think there are a lot of teams that like him, and I think he could go in the first round because of it. I mean, he's he's fast. He's good footwork. Um, solid arm strength, but outside of that, the accuracy is always a question. It's like never. I never want to make up the competition because Trey Lance was playing against South Dakota State Tech University, basically. And Malik Willis has been playing against small schools also. So mm-hmm. playing in the American, I don't think should be a knock on him like some people want to. It's... I mentioned in the the intro, it's like he's a he's a big wild card mm-hmm. in terms of like where he could stand because there's a ceiling that we think he can get to. It's just if he can is a big if. What team do you think could take a chance on Ritter? I see. I almost want to say Seattle makes a lot of sense because I feel like he'd fit a very similar mold of an offense they had working with um, Russell Wilson. I don't think Seattle's really going to look for an early quarterback, though, which is a little bit concerning to me. I think they're fine with Drew Locke, at least for one year. Define fine. Yeah. Uh, enough to where they're not going to look to replace him this year. I, In my opinion, I really think that the Seattle's planning on running through this year with Drew Locke. Okay. And next year, you can make that, determin- yeah, you can make that determination. Stroud, yeah, those boys. That's the one that immediately jumps to mind. I think New Orleans is another one that's interesting because yeah. you saw what their offense was with Taysom Hill. I actually think Desmond Ritter would thrive in that role if he was put into that role as more of a wildcat-style quarterback. At least I, for the first year. I think he'd be really good in that spot. I don't necessarily think there's a team on paper right now that screams out to me, though, that Desmond Ritter fits in this offense. I think there are a couple coaches. I mentioned um, Dan Campbell earlier. If they don't go Malik Willis at two, that, are, that could be able to rearrange an offense. To fit Ritter's strengths, I don't necessarily think there's one that jumps off the page though right now. Before we'll get to receivers, we'll wrap up quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks go in the first round? Throw out a number. It's I, gonna it's gonna be over the total. I think runners, the total's two and, and a half. Two and a half. It's I, gonna be over that. There will be three. I I don't know which outside of Willis or Pickett's <laughs> gonna go in round one. I think you're probably right. There is probably it's, a team that reaches for a third. I don't really know who that would be, though. It's the most important position yeah. uh, on the field. Like someone yeah. will trade trade up in the later first round to get one. And we saw we saw with Lamar Jackson four or five years ago. The Ravens dealt up from like 35 to 32 to get him, so they got the fifth year option. That's totally something that could That's also happen. That's a huge part of it, also. Yeah. Like a team, if Detroit for some reason doesn't take Malik Willis at two, maybe they come back. They have yeah. 32, they move up to get Corral or a Ritter. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone will like one of those guys and trade up to get one. Detroit's going to hold that 32nd pick for a King's ransom. Yes, because of that fifth year option, obviously. Yeah. Let's do receivers. There's so many great boys in this draft. Uh, I think my theory is that, like, these kids growing up, 
don't want to play defensive backs anymore. They don't want to play safety. They want to catch touchdowns. They want to make big plays. That's why year after year we continue to see all these outstanding receivers. How many went last in the first round? Four? There were what? They got more than More that. than ten in the first two or three rounds last year. It was. It, this is becoming a year after year thing now that this year is just completely separated itself for I think literally seven receivers can go in the first round. Lady, I'll start with you. Does one of them separate themselves from the pack, or are they all bunched together? I don't think one of them separates themselves, but I think there's a bunch that are talented, and I do have, like, one ahead of the other, because obviously everyone does. My number one receiver is Chris Olave, which is probably going to surprise some people, but you can't ignore his speed. You can't ignore his route running and ability to separate, and I'm kind of confused why people think Drake London maybe could be, like, a better receiver than him. Like, I, I'm in favor of guys that easily separate downfield versus, like, jump ball 50-50 res- receivers. Like, I think there are some teams, obviously, that fit Olave's style better than other others. He's not the strongest guy. He won't, like, win, like, at the catch point. He won't, like, go up and get the b- ball over, over cornerbacks. But I, I think his ability to beat you downfield is probably better than anyone in the draft. Katie, who's your wide receiver one? I at, I at this point, I don't think I know. I think if John Mechie was healthy, I think he'd, if I knew for a fact he'd be healthy, I'm pretty sure he'd be there by a lot. Really? Yeah. That's, Why? I think he's your next. I think he's the closest thing we've seen to Tyreek Hill since Tyreek Hill. Mechie? Yeah. Wow. I, he's, and the issue is we don't know if he's still going to be that. We don't know if um, the injury, the surgery, if that's going to ruin his explosiveness. If it doesn't. Here's your steal of the draft. I have, I have the issue is there are going to be teams really uncomfortable with it. And obviously us sitting here, we haven't looked at any of the medicals, talked to him or anything like that. We don't know. So it's a big risk. But if, if I can know for sure that that wasn't going to be a long-term issue, I think John Mechie's that guy. Mechie isn't he's even the, in my top like seven. Yeah, he's not in mine either. I, there's a lot of... At the end of the day, the NFL is down to a game now of um, you win by speed. I think you're, if you're looking for athletes, and I'm a huge, I want to get, I want to get athletes and teach them to play football rather than um, get football players and try to teach them to be athletic. That's your guy. So, to feed off that, because I, I did not expect this to turn into a John Mechie conversation. <laughs> I, had pull, I had to pull up one of my tweets from after the national championship game, in. I don't know how many drives it was. In six quarters of football against Georgia, without John Mechie, Alabama scored two touchdowns. Yeah. One of them was after a gift fumble, after the Stetson Bennett fumble that like went out of bounds and they recovered it. We were set up inside the 15. Another was on a Jameson Williams long touchdown. Six quarters of football against mm-hmm. Georgia without John Mechie, two touchdowns. It's impossible. For a difference maker all season long. It's impossible to defend a guy like that it's the same reason i mean if you look at tyreek hill at least what he was in kansas city he was their featured receiver got all of the targets was the best receiver in the league for a little bit and there are a lot of things he does as a receiver not that well but he's able to mask it for the fact that he is the most athletic player on the field by a lot every single time he's the fastest player on the field every single time and he knows what he's doing enough to get away with the fact that he's deficient in a lot of areas I think John Mechie's better in of those areas that Tyree Kill's deficient in, and I don't think he's that much worse of an athlete. 
That's wild. I, I not yeah. expect the, the no, not even my wide receiver one is not John Mechie. It's not John Mechie's teammate James Williams, who's my wide receiver two. My receiver one is Drake London. I think he is. I think he puts it all together. He has the elite size, body control. He's what six foot four. Yeah. He's a pretty thin guy. I think he's about two fifteen, two nineteen. He has great speed for is. He's built similar to Mike Evans. And mm-hmm. I know how you feel about Mike Evans. <laughs> or at least Peyton. <laughs> but, but probably both of you. Drake London's also younger than I am, so I really, really hope that he does not go super early because this is going to make me feel really bad. He's, he's like 12 days younger than I am. He has insane hands. He, and he is, gets after a tackler. He's fast. He can beat anyone a jump ball. He'll be bigger than any corner that guards him. Almost like a bigger Jamar Chase, it seems like. And I think he's going to be a home run in the pros. I... Drake London, I see a lot, and I feel like we use this comp every single year on someone because I think there's someone that fits it every single year of that Alshon Jeffrey mold. Yeah. I And that's, again, not necessarily a bad thing. Alshon Jeffrey was a really productive wide receiver in the league for a couple of years. Yeah. Just never actually put it all together. I don't think Drake London's a superstar. Okay. I'll say that much. I think he's really, I think he's going to be a pretty good receiver. I don't think that guy's a superstar. But you could definitely do worse with a receiver than you're going to be able to do with Drake London. Where are you on the Ohio State guys, Wilson and Olave? There, Wilson is my three, Olave's my four? No. Yes. Wilson, three, Olave, four. I have Olave probably a lot further down than you guys. That's not even a knock on him. It's the fact that I think there's that so this receivers. wide receiver class, there's not that much of a separation between number one and like number 12. I think it's that sort of tight. I love Garrett Wilson. I think... Olave, I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's going to put up a lot of production. I think there's going to be a lot of boomer bust with Chris Olave. You're going to see games where he gets two catches for 14 yards. Rookie year, he's probably going to have four or five of those games that he's just out there bad and going to have four or five games where he's really, really good. Scares me a little bit. He's going to be fine. I think Garrett Wilson, if you're going to go bang for your buck, knowing what you know, knowing that there isn't a massive red flag on him, I think would probably be your safest pick for the first receiver to go off the board. I think he's really, really good. Not sure he's he's not Jamar Chase. He's not going to be Justin Jefferson. You're not going to see that kind of season. I think Garrett Wilson's going to be really, really good though. There were some games last yeah. year where Olave kind of put up quiet stat lines. Yeah. Like I I didn't even realize against Indiana, two catches, twenty four yards. Um, he had forty four yards in that game against Penn State. Against Akron, he had two catches for twelve yards. That game was also like close for. A majority of it. We also had games, four catches, 117, 12 catches, 126, 5, 119, 7, 120, 7, 140. I don't see any reason that changes in the pros, that I, he has those really I, good games going down games. It's system, I think. Obviously, every prospect in the world depends on system, but I think if Chris Olave gets drafted in the right one, he'll be the best rookie receiver in the league. Like For example, if you put him with the, if he gets to the Chargers and the Chargers take him, his ability he's to... He's still similar to Keenan Allen, I feel like. Huh? I think he's kind of similar to Keenan Allen. No, Keenan Allen can't get downfield. is way faster than him. He separates way better down downfield. I think with Herbert's armed talent, if, if you put a guy like Olave in that system with with Herbert, he'll be fantastic. They have um, TDN, his Chris Olave, comp to Devontae Smith. I don't hate... I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't hate that. I think in terms of a similar style of players, it's not super far off. Where are you on Wilson, Liddy? I like him a lot. I don't. I don't think there's like a major fl- flaw in him. He's yeah. actually, he's my wide receiver three. I, I'm not as high on Burks and London as everyone else, but 
Yeah, I think Wilson like came out in his fre- freshman year at Ohio State and impressed everyone with his athleticism and his his body control. He's just a really complete receiver. And like Kidding said, I don't think there's like a major red flag on on him that he does everything you can point well. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does anything. He's very reliable. Is a word I used for him uh, the other day. Yeah. He's very. Ohio State loved going to him in the red zone, third down, fourth down, because he was kind of the go-to guy. He wasn't the big play receiver like Jackson Smith, the Jigba, or Olave. It was, you know, it's third and five, you need a quick out, give him to Wilson. Mm-hmm. But he also doesn't do anything over the top superbly, if that makes sense. If you take Garrett Wilson at, let's say, I don't even know who has this pick, 20 overall, you feel really, really confident that that pick's going to hit. Pittsburgh. That, okay, if you, <laughs> if you do that, you're going to feel really, really confident that pick's going to hit. He also ran a uh, faster 40 than people expected. Yeah. Four, 40? Four, three, eight, okay. which is... I know Olave was also really fast. Yeah, Olave was nuts. He, he was clocked yeah, really... Yeah, was the one that was clocked at like he was clocked, or something he was like clocked that, right? He was clocked really poorly, <laughs> but which like was nuts. But yeah, he still ran a really fast 40. I forget exactly what it was. Quickly, Dotson from Penn State... I, I like him. Don't like him. Real, t- kidding? I I don't hate him. I like the ideas that an offense is going to be able to put around him. I have a feeling you're going to have to get really, really creative to be, for him to be really, really useful. Do you think he's this year's 2-12 to a 12 or something like that? I, I don't uh, think it's a bad comp. I wouldn't put it that far because I don't think he's that bad. But, <laughs> like, he's not he's not big. And, like, I mentioned Theo Ash all the time on this show. Like, he did a review of him. and One of my Twitter followers, Theo like, Ash. Dotson made this, these, like, insane catches. And, like, Theo pointed out. Like, if he was, like, a, if he was, like, bigger and, like, like 6'2", like 6'1", like, these wouldn't be, like, these insane tough catches for him. Like, but he makes them to be because of his size. The thing about Tutu Atwell is if he wasn't put in an um, organization that is um, hell-bent on replacing him with four guys every four weeks. I feel like he'd actually he have, a, this year. He'd have a chance. To, he'd have a chance to be productive. I just think where he's at I at this point, he's so far down the depth. I think the order. wildest part is the team that won the Super Bowl used their first pick on two to a 12. Yeah. Who like, wasn't, who wasn't like the best receiver on his team in college. It was like Fitzpatrick. Uh, it last, shows what the Rams think of draft picks. They're just like flyers. Yeah. yeah. But lastly, before we get to a quick break, George Pickens, I think is getting slept on too much. I've, he was arguably wide receiver one after his freshman year. He's uh, he needs to be healthy. That's that, the that's issue. The, the only thing with him. My bigger issue is George Pickens. I'm not sure how good he is in the shorter intermediate game. He's going to be fantastic bombing it deep to him. Yeah, and he, has, sure, he has really good hands. I'm not sure he's going to be that great in two thirds of the field. Well, George didn't and that's use my him problem like that. with him. The, the year he broke out, which was his freshman year. Remember the catch against LSU in the SEC championship it was nuts, but they just stopped. They transitioned to basically a heavy run offense, and it hurt him, like, huge. And then this year, he missed the majority of the year. When he came back, did a couple things, but... He was the one with that crazy catch in the um, game against Cincinnati a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they did something similar in the national championship against Alabama. I think that he should remain on people's radar. Definitely not a first-round pick in my mind. Second round pick, I think this is your your guy. Let's get to a break. We'll do defensive players coming out. This is Start Your Sunday, KCOU 88.1 FM. Yeah, you listening right now to KCOU 88.1 FM. Here, check out this sneak peek of what to expect on Cup of Bro. So if you had to give it like a flavor profile, would you call it like a Tahiti sunrise or more like a San Francisco fog? Um, I would say it's almost like a San Francisco dusk. It's not just flavors. We got sports too. From Wisconsin, Tyler Hero, <laughs> uh, the man, the myth, the legend. So join us Fridays at 11 a.m.
When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all. Last year, four million people graduated from Red Cross classes. One of them could save your life. Join them. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger. Something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your Sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. I've got a question. Do you know what you and Angel Hernandez have in common? You both could use some instant replay in your life. That's right. Catch Instant Replay with me, Ben Greenberger, every Sunday night from 8 to 9, right here on KCOU 88.1. Tune in for the latest news from around the MLB, NHL, college basketball, and much, much more. Can't listen live? Head on over to Twitter at Instant Replay MU and catch up on what you missed. When you aren't sure what the right call is, check the Instant Replay. Your Sunday. I believe I saw this song in person. Well, seven not, times. Not, not actually personal. Seven After times. After seven Florida Panthers goals against the Montreal Canadiens a few weeks ago. Tyler Kading joining us Sunday, April 10, 2022. Spent a lot of time talking receivers. Didn't even get to Christian Watson or Calvin Austin. Yeah, there's a, I mean, this receiver class is just nuts. And with David Bell, when you talk about Williams, it's so many receivers mentioned earlier. All these kids now want to play receiver. They don't want to play defensive back. It's why we see an influx of receivers. Unfortunately, the best receiver in college football, we have to wait another year to see him enter the draft. Or there's going to be so much Jackson Smith and Jigba content coming in the fall. I'm going to say the fact that I'm not 100% confident you're talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba is kind of damn, I'm indicting on how I mean, good like, wide receivers I are think, now. I, I think he's... The greatest receiver of all time. But we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that in the fall. Uh, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. There's so many great defensive linemen and edge rushers in this draft. You think of Kayvon Thibodeau, who entered the year as an number one pick. 
And then Aiden Hutchinson, who now is the overwhelming favorite to the number one pick. But there's also guys like George Karloftis and Trayvon Walker and even Jermaine Johnson, David Ajaba, boys like that. Let's start with the, the Thibodeau-Hutchinson the debate. That's not really as much of a debate anymore. Now it's kind of very one-sided. Lydia, I'll start with you. Uh, Hutchinson or Thibodeau? I'm going to say Hutchinson, but I think it's really, really close. I think Thibodeau is going to fall. Not that far, but he's not the number one pick anymore just because of his, like, his, like, off-the-field characteristics. Like, people are saying, like, he doesn't he's not, he doesn't have a high motor. He doesn't, like, interview that, that well. Like, just, like, typical, like, things you honestly heard about Justin Fields last year co- coming into the draft. And I don't think those were, were ever legit, and I kind of feel the same, with, the same way with Thibodeau. I think he's still a really talented prospect. His first step quickness is just out of this world ridiculous. When it comes to Hutchinson, you think high-motor guy, his splits were really good, his three-cone was really good, his shuttle was really good. I think he's the clear, not clear number one pick, but I think he will be the number one pick, and I think he's probably the second or third best overall prospect in this draft if you, th- if you throw out, like, Position valuability. Kading, where are you on Thibodeau and Hutchinson? See, I think the pretty much the exact same thing. They're really, really tight. I just haven't flipped a little bit. I think I, I think Thibodeau's a tiny bit better. I think he's more explosive. Do you think Hutchinson will be the first pick? Yeah, I, I do, and I don't even necessarily disagree with it. I mean, you really can't go wrong. These are you're looking at two guys that are going to be leading the NFL in sacks for the next ten years. That's what these two guys are. You can't really go wrong with it. I think I'd rather have Thibodeau very slightly, but I also think it's just because I like guys that are a lot more explosive. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a little bit more explosive. That's legitimately just my personal preference. I think the consistency is a little more there with Hutchinson. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. I think people are going to overreact a little bit to the Ohio State game where he had, what, four sacks, and the Iowa game where I think he had two and a half sacks. Thibodeau I thought was a little bit better last year. Or kind of in his earlier years than his past season, Thibodeau's extremely, you know, physical at the line of scrimmage. He can play more of an inside role. You can put him basically anywhere in a three-four. Where Hutchinson, he's only going to play really the outside on those roles. He's a little more durable when it comes to Hutchinson. I have Hutchinson a little bit ahead, but I think Thibodeau can be a really uh, solid elite player in the pros. My concern with Hutchinson, more than anything, it's how much of his production was due to the fact that he had another top. 15 yeah. pick opposite of him on the defensive line. I'm a little, this is the only reason I'm a little bit concerned about Hutchinson is it's very, very hard to divert your entire offensive line to defending one player when if you do that, the other one you know is going to beat you. What do you, where do you stand on the whole Ojabo situation? I, I, I think Ojabo's really good. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. Ojabo's going to be really, really good. He should be, easily should be a first round pick. Even with well, the whole. With the Achilles injury at the at the pro day, he's going to drop. It's the nature of what happened to Jalen Smith in yeah. 2016, I think it was. Yeah. It, it's the nature of the sport. How how low is too low? Because Ojabo, if he didn't tear his Achilles, would be a top third. Philadelphia made so much sense to take him. I think at what 13, if he didn't or 14, wherever their pick is. Yeah, it was, I think 15. 15. If he didn't tear his Achilles, what's the lowest you think he'll fall now? I don't. I still don't think he makes it anywhere near the end of the first round. He, edge rusher is too valuable of a position. A lot of teams still value that as your best player on your defense, your most important player on your defense. There's enough teams in the middle of the 
draft that didn't even necessarily make the playoffs last year. I think their team's good enough to where they can afford taking a guy that's hurt. And if you're going to be able to take a guy that's hurt, a guy with all the skills that Ojabo has is going to be the guy you, you're going to want to take. He does. I don't think he makes it near 32. Liddy, where are you on? Like, I think he's going to fall. I think, like you said, Philly at 15, 16, wherever, they, they had three picks there and that they traded one away. But it made a lot of sense. He has good raw numbers. His bend is really good. I just think that you're throwing away one year of his rookie contract is going to be a huge red flag for some teams. I think maybe someone takes a flyer on him at the end of the first, first round. But I, I can't see him going in the top 15 with – the, the lost year. Yeah, that's obviously a concern. What about Trayvon Walker? Because this is a guy who I think has – he wasn't the most talked about Georgia player in the season. Everyone <laughs> wanted to turn their attention to N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, those guys. Walker has kind of come under the radar. Now, like, people are talking about him as number two to Detroit, number three to Houston in that range. So, you know, how high can Trayvon Walker get taken? I'll start with you, Lid. Yeah, I buy that, by the way. He's going to be – if I think if Detroit doesn't take Malik Willis too. It's it, Walker is the pick. I, I think his arms are really long. He ran a four five one forty, I believe. I believe, which is crazy for a, an edge rusher to put in perspective. Yeah, just nuts. He's a really good run def- run defender. I think you, it's very easy to see why this guy was rapidly rising in draft in draft boards, and I, I think he deserves a lot of the hype that he gets. I think his tape probably isn't as good as Thibodeau and Hutchinson, and that's probably what puts him at three for me in edge rushers. But I think he's a really good prospect, and I think you're getting a really good player if you draft him at two or three. Kidding, where are you on him? I want so badly to say that Trayvon Walker is the best edge rusher in this class. I just can't because for as athletic as he is, and how, as much as I love that, I can't draft an edge rusher that high not knowing if he's going to be able to rush the passer. That's, yeah. And we don't know whether Trayvon right Walker on. is able to rush the passer. He's going to do everything else well. No clue if he's going to be able to do that. And that's the reason I'm a little bit scared off of him compared to everyone else is that's the most important part of the job that he has. I don't know if he can do it. Because the risk the risk reward is that we don't know exactly how great he is as a pass rusher. We know how great he is at run stopping. And he's the edge that everyone looks for is the guy who can – not just rush the quarterback or stop the run, but they can get out in coverage and they can defend running backs in the flat or kind of guard the inside of the field. Walker has the ability of that. He did that a lot in Georgia's mm-hmm. scheme. But you're taking an edge rusher to do one thing, and that's rush the quarterback. Yeah. I like Walker. Obviously, I'm high on basically every Georgia player for obvious reasons. But I think that he should be – I think Houston should be the pick for him at number three. Uh, let's get to – we talked about Ajabo. We'll, we'll transition to linebacker. Nicole Dean, Devin Lloyd are the two main guys. Uh, there's also a little hype around uh, the guy from Wisconsin. Um, Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel, sorry. Uh, I thought you were about to say Jack Sanborn. I was going to lose it. <laughs> Which of those three guys do you think uh, is the top linebacker in this year's class? I think I don't necessarily think Leo Chanel. I, again, I really like the athleticism. I don't think he's close to Devin Lloyd or Nicole Dean. I think those two are far and away one and two. I... Devin Lloyd is the type of guy that is going to be a Pro Bowl level linebacker for the next 10 years. The issue is, what does a Pro Bowl level linebacker necessarily give you? The payoff isn't super high. I think he's as good of a linebacker prospect as we've seen in the past couple of years, though, in terms of an off ball guy. Yeah. Lid? I 
have Dean as my number one linebacker, but I don't think he's going to be taken as the first linebacker. I think Lloyd's size and length probably gives him the edge there because, you know, teams are going to want linebackers that are big and strong and really long players. But when you look at N'Kobe Dean, he's unbelievably fast. His football IQ is off the charts. His size is obviously lacking, but and, and people are worried about that. They think he's going to have trouble matching up with tight ends, But and I don't necessarily disagree, but I think just like playing in the box and like getting to outside runs, he's going to be phenomenal, and that's why he's my number one linebacker. Say this much, I think there are two linebackers in this class that you're looking at probably going to be able to get on day, at least day two. Don't think they quite get to day three. That are, I think, star defensive players. JoJo Doman, Troy Anderson. Both those guys, JoJo Doman is ripped straight from the Derwin James mold. The safety that's going to be able to play linebacker and base, sub-safety, play down a little bit in the defense right in front of a two-high set. I think he's perfect for that role in terms of like a positionless kind of football player. Can play any scheme you want him to in some capacity. Troy Anderson... They say he's probably best in a four-three. Will I think you can get away playing him in a um, in a or um, a four-three? Will I think you can get away playing him in a four-three? Mike playing him in a three-four. Again, get athletes. Troy Anderson is the most athletic player in this class in terms of on in the linebackers in this class. It is Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Yeah, Montana State. That's a problem. But well, other than that, I don't necessarily think there's a massive knock on Troy Anderson to feed off that. I mean, the Patriots used their second-round yeah. pick a few years ago on a linebacker safety several from Lenore Ryan. He yeah. was an outstanding player last year. I think he'll take another step this year in uh, Kyle Duggar. Jeremy Chin was really good out of yeah. Southern Illinois. He's had, so. he's had a solid start yeah. to his career with the Carolina Panthers. I have N'Kobe Dean as my linebacker one. I love both him and Devin Lloyd. Uh, I think as a team, like the Patriots desperately need another linebacker. I think they're going to use their first-round pick on one. And I... I I like to have someone who's a little more athletic. I know there's concerns about the size of Nicole Dean. He's 5'11", 229, which is obviously uh, not what you want I, in terms of size because Lloyd's a monster. He's over 6'3". He's good weight to him, uh, 237. I just think Dean's a guy who can kind of fly around the field. I think he's a little better of a blitzer than Devin Lloyd. Uh, just carries himself well, obviously moving around the field. The, what you mentioned about guarding the tight ends – it's it's a little bit of a concern, but I think in today's today's NFL is becoming more positionless than ever before, where you know the people who it's not yeah. necessarily always the linebackers going on the tight end. We're seeing more zone coverage and defense than really ever. Uh, it's very close. I have Lloyd to Nicobe Dean one. Uh, quickly corners, I think Sauce Gardner is unanimously cornerback one. Any yeah. opposition? Sauce Gardner has played for three years. He has not allowed a touchdown in his career. Yeah. I think everyone is mostly yeah. in agreement. Singley's two. Who is next after that? Because then you get to the Trent McDuffie's, Andrew Booth, uh, Kier Elam from Florida. Uh, there's probably also someone I'm forgetting in that group. Who is? Uh, yeah, I said Booth. Who is the next out of that range? I think Booth's a star. I think he's in that Stingley Sauce Gardner level. I think he's that good. Yeah, I see. There's a lot, and this is what TDN has, and I really, really like this comp of Jair Alexander and Andrew Booth. Yeah, he's big, yeah. physical. Yeah, I love that. I think you look at those three, I think there's a pretty massive drop to cornerback four once you consider those three. Lid? 
Yeah, I think Booth's pretty clearly three. I like uh, Trent McDuffie a lot. I think he could be just fantastic. And I think a guy that I think Sauce should be one. And I think he's going to be the fir- first cornerback taken. I think Jets I, take him at four. I think either Jets at four or Giants with one of their two, two picks. I don't think there's anyone with the Jets that thinks the Jets are going corner at four. I don't think it'd be a bad. I've heard, I don't it's, a, think, I've heard it's a possibility. I don't think it'd be a bad pick. I just don't. I don't. See I don't that think it's going to be a receiver there. And I, I think they're going edge rusher yeah. or Ikwanu if he's there at four, and then wide receiver at ten, probably Drake Here, London. Yeah. Here's my my issue with Trent McDuffie is that I could be off by like an inch or something on these numbers. If you look at guys that have made an All Pro team since 2010, none of them have under 32 and a half inch um, hand size. Or is it, yeah, hand size. I think it is. Um, We're going deep in the analysis. The, av- the average is roughly 34.2, something like that. Trent McDuffie's 31.5, or maybe a little bit less. That's a major concern. Yeah. I, he's, he's 5'11, 193. Yeah. I'm scared off a lot by Trent McDuffie because I don't think he's going to be able to last in the NFL. A defensive back, I think we're really underrating Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. I think whoever gets him in the second round, it's a home run. Because you can move him. He can play in the box. Mm-hmm. Also outside of safety, like we saw at Penn State. He was one of the best yeah. defenders in the Big 12, Big 10 last year. I Whoever gets him in round two is going to be very happy. This guy's no longer a untalked about name after he just absolutely erupted at the combine. Tariq Woolen should probably be a first-round pick. I don't even think I know that much about him. He is the... Most athletic. I'm gonna try to pull up his RAS score real quick, but there is he's very raw coming out of UTSA. UTSA has only had two draft picks all time. Um, obviously Marcus Davenport a couple years ago, but he is a ball of clay. If you're talking about a guy that um would is decent for the Jets, Robert Sala gonna try to get his hands on Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, six four. He measured at, a, at the combine, two oh five. Ran a four two six forty. So it's Cam Chancellor. This is way more athletic than Cam Chancellor. Yeah, a thinner Cam yeah. Chancellor. Yeah. That's uh, I gotta do some research into him. Get your athletes again, I said you get your athletes, teach him to play football. Tariq Woolen, if you could teach him to play football, he used to be a wide receiver, so only spent a couple years at corner in his entire career. A lot of the mechanical things are kinda off with Tariq Woolen. If you're able to get those into his head, Tariq Woolen's a Hall of Famer. Okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up I, with this. Yeah, um, 60 seconds. Yeah. I'll give you 60 seconds to give me a, a rant about running backs. Because oh, I, God. I, intentionally, I intentionally skipped running backs. If you remember last year, we had the, Trent, we had the Trent Richardson news break on the oh, show. I forgot about yeah. that. Wow. So, I was going to say, the one thing I remember from last time I was here was me saying that um, Trey Lance would never start a game in the NFL, and I, then I underestimated how much Jimmy Garoppolo has actually made of glass. So <laughs> give, me a, give me a quick rant about running backs. Oh, God. And how important uh, they are on the draft. See, honest to God, I have not given any thought to the running backs in this class solely from the fact that I know none of them are anywhere near guys that should be taken <laughs> in the first two days that I have given it next to zero thought. I if any, Is there one if that any, you like? If you want to take Kenneth Walker in the fourth round, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not running to the table for him, but if you want to take him in the fourth round, sure, go for it. It's a fourth round pick. Uh... Sure. 
Other than that, legitimately, if there's a quarter, or there's a running back taken in the first two days of the draft, it's a bad pick. They, Walker and Hall, I think, will both go in the second round. And neither of them. I mean, neither of them should. At but least, you're not. I don't necessarily disagree with you on that. At least no one's taking Travis Etienne in round one this year. <laughs> Speaking of being out of glass. Yeah, I think the one the one name that I. Yes, um, everything that happened at the Combine makes you really, really play off of this. If you're looking for a guy that I think is going to plug and play and be able to get stats, actually, I think Kyron Williams is solid. Yeah, I, Everything outside of the fact that he's incredibly slow. Um, Jordan Walker had a better RES or running back than Kyron Williams <laughs> did. So there's a lot of question marks there in terms of athletes, but you don't necessarily have to be a good athlete to be a running back. Yeah, And we've seen that throughout throughout the years. I mean, the Cowboys paid $80 million to a fullback. So, you don't need That's to be good. you don't need to be athletic to be successful. Well, Tyler, we appreciate you for coming on this yeah. Sunday. Breaking Thanks all things guys. NFL Draft. We'll, we'll be back next week. Guest TBD. Two weeks from now, NFL Draft mock roundtable. That'll be